Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, we have a, a tremendous privilege today, and that is that as we prepare to look into God's Word, we've asked our student pastor, Jonathan Holmes, to come and to, to lead us in that time. And some of you have had the privilege of getting to know Jonathan. Others of you maybe haven't yet. Jonathan has been on staff since May of last year, um, but he has been immersed in our student ministry until then. And so unless you've got a student in the ministry, you might not have had a chance to hear from or, or meet Jonathan. But I'm so thankful today that you're going to have the opportunity to meet uh, the man that, that I love and love being able to partner with him. His wife, Amber, is right here in front, too. And uh, just please join me now in welcoming Jonathan Holmes. Hey, my people, my people. Some more, a little bit more familiar faces this, this, uh, this hour. This is where we feel at home, right? And so uh, I'm so excited to be here this morning with, with you all. And uh, before we talk about the guide to prayer um, and looking in, at Jesus' words of the Sermon on the Mount, I just want to catch everyone up uh, to speed on what's happening in, to, in Wildwood student ministry. Uh, so if you don't make it down to the basement too long, uh, then, then it's time for you to find out what's happening in WSM. And it's important not just for you to know about what's what's happening in student ministry, but it's also important that we know what's happening in children ministry, in uh, women's ministry, in college ministry, and all these other ministries so that we can still be a body, so we can celebrate together, so we can pray for one another. And so uh, I've been here for, for eight months now. Amber and I moved in on uh, a day that we'll never forget. And uh, we, uh, we were welcomed with tornadoes, May 20th. And, uh, and so we are so excited still to be here. We really wake up every morning and we are just, uh, just thrilled at the opportunity that God has, has blessed us with. You know, I, when we accepted the position, uh, I don't think we knew what we were getting ourselves into, right? But that's not a bad thing. We're, we're still today waking up and going, what an amazing group of people that we get to minister with. What an amazing group of students that I get to serve with. And what an amazing group of leaders that I get to serve with. It's such an incredible opportunity uh, that we have in Norman, Oklahoma, because there's thousands of students here. And just think of the opportunity it would be if we started sharing Christ with those thousands of students. And so our mission as Wildwood Student Ministries is to connect students to, to Christ and to each other. And so that is what we're doing. That's why uh, we had great night. That's why we had all of these events, summer camps, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights with my adult leaders and, and small group leaders. And now this weekend is, is D now. And oh, before I get there, I got I to gotta give a shout out. Alana, are you in here? Where you at? Uh-oh. Just kidding. She's doing announcements in, in college life. I was hoping she was done. We just hired on an associate student minister, and I know he sent out announcements, but I just want to make sure everyone's, everyone knows that. It is, it is such an incredible, uh, incredible gift to have Alana on the team. She brings so many gifts and strengths and encouragement even to me. We're so excited about the future with Wildwood Student Ministry. And she has great timing like I do. Like, she couldn't pick a busier week. So she shows up when all the craziness is happening, like we showed up when all the craziness was happening. And so, uh, and so we're really excited uh, to serve uh, and, and partner with you as parents and uh, to serve the student ministry here. Um, but like I said, this weekend is Disciple Now. And so for most of you, you have no idea what that means. We've never done a D Now here before. And so instead of me just talking about Disciple Now and you, you hearing uh, it just from, from my words, I think it's important that we use a universal language that everyone understands. 
And really, the most appropriate universal language for church is flannel graph, right? We all understand it. And so I just want to give you a glimpse of this video, and you can watch the rest online. It's a, it's a longer video, uh, and I had no part in it, so just kidding. So check out this video, uh, what a taste of Disciple Now would be like if it was in flannel graph. My name's Jimmy, and I'm kind of sad because I didn't go to Disciple Now, but this is what would have happened if I did go to D-Now. So this is a video about Flannel Graph. No, it's a video about Disciple Now. Let's see what happens on day one. Day one! Beep, boop, beep, boop. Doop, 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 doop. Oh, the first thing you get to do is you get to go to your host home. Look at all the pretty homes. Ah, uh, I'm happy now because I'm at D now, of course. Well, I guess it's time to go to the first main group session. So I'm going to hop in the carriage. Da -da -da, off to Wildwood. We arrived at Wildwood and I am here now. I'm JT and I'm going to lead you in worship for the entire weekend. And I'm Mark Robinson. I'm going to teach you wisdom from the scriptures. Look at how happy I am. I'm so happy to be at D now. Well, after the main worship center on day one, it's time to go back to the home. Sweet backflip. Back to the home. Now I'm going to stay up too late talking to my sweet host home, leader, and all my friends. Okay. That's a, that's a taste of what Disciple Now is. So if you didn't catch it in flannel graph form, essentially D Now is camp smashed into a weekend where students are brought into small groups with college students and our adult leaders who lead them throughout the entire weekend. And we go from small group to large group sessions in here where JT's leading the worship in this room and Mark is doing the teaching, which I mean, that flannel graph person was made for Mark Robinson. Like if he had a gray beard, nailed it. But we all come here and then we're going to learn about how to make Jesus famous. Not, not ourselves, but how Jesus is famous and how we can make famous, him famous in our lives, in our schools, and in our families, and beyond. And so I just ask that you would pray uh, along with me for, for D-Now Weekend on what an incredible opportunity it is for the students and for my leaders, and just to be able to, uh, to be removed from our crazy busy schedule and to be immersed in, in a rhythm that is rhythm around the things of God, to study scripture for days and to talk about God and to be with his people. Like that is, that is what we're here for. And that is an incredible opportunity to connect students to Christ and to each other as we have fun as well. So before we talk about how to pray uh, or the guide to prayer, uh, let me pray for us as we begin to open God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, just creating us, that you chose to create us and you chose to give us the personalities, the creativity, the uh, sense of humor that you, you did and that you, uh, you continue to work in us today, forming us to the person you, who you would have us be, God. Thank you that we get to, uh, we get to serve you uh, for who you are, not because of what you do for us, but for who you are, that you are a creator, uh, that you have provided our Savior, and that you are uh, continuing to sustain us. God, we love you, and we, we just lift up this morning. God, I ask that you would use my imperfect words for your perfect purposes, that your perfect purpose would be done through this imperfect church, 
that we would be followers of your perfect will, that we would sacrifice ours at your feet, say your will be done. God, we love you, and we just lift up this morning, lift up my words, that your spirit would use them in our hearts and our minds. And we pray all these things in your son's beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and by your spirit. Amen. So before we talk about the guide to prayer, uh, I think it's important that we all have a foundation. And so if I say the guide to prayer, you're like, okay, uh, I think I know what prayer is. But what you think of prayer is most, more than likely different than what someone across the aisle thinks of of prayer. And so if you don't know anything about prayer or you know everything about prayer, yeah, right, uh, then let's build the foundation together and let's go from there. And so I need to answer the question, what is prayer? Before we go anywhere, I need, to, I need to make a foundation so we can all be on the same page and figure out what is prayer. And so my definition is not a perfect definition. It is not an end-all, be-all definition. This is the key to unlock your prayer life. That is not true. This is a foundation for us to build off of. I'm sure you're looking at it and you're going, wow, I'd like to add a few things. So would I. But this is a foundation for us to build off of where we think about the guide to prayer. And so here it is. Prayer is a two-way conversation with God in which we lay our desires in front of him with the confession of our sins to be humbly, humbly conformed to Jesus. And I want to split this definition up into three separate parts. And so let's look at this and let's build a foundation so that we can really look at the guide to prayer. And so the first part is that prayer is a two-way conversation with God. And see, this is pretty easy for us because we've, most of us have been taught that when we, not only, we, when we pray, we not only talk to God, but we also listen to him. So that's, that's pretty like heads are nodding and we agree with that. But what that looks like in our daily lives is very different. And so if you were like me when I was a middle school student, I would lay in my bed with the lights off and I was going to sleep, just confessing, pouring my heart out to God. Teenager, pouring out my heart to God. And I would say, God, give me the answer. And I'd wait. Probably not for too long because I'd fall asleep, but I would wait. I would. I would, I would sit there and say, say something. I'm listening. Am I not listening right? Do I not have enough faith? So I became distraught because I never heard back from God. All of my teachers would say, God will tell you the answer. Just listen. I was listening. I was struggling because I never heard the voice of God audibly. And so then in my time at DTS, I was talking with a professor who's 96 years old and still teaching, uh, crazy, uh, but he was, he was an incredible man, and I, I posed him the question of, of how do we listen to God in prayer? And he just relieved the, this, this question off of my back by saying, I have never heard the audible voice of God. And I was like, oh, finally, like this man who I respect so much so much, who has evident fruit in his life that he's walking with God, has never heard the audible voice of God. So that's not a requirement for me to be a man of God. And it was just a relief for me. And then he continued on saying, and I probably haven't because I have his word, because the Bible has been provided for me. He said, if we believe that we are spirit-filled and this is God's literal word, that it is his literal breath that is given to us, then why do I need another answer? And so the, the norm here, and he was speaking in norms, and I'm speaking in norms. I'm not willing to put God in a box saying that you will never hear the audible voice of God. What I am saying is God normally speaks through his word because it is sufficient. It is sufficient for all of our questions. It is sufficient for all of the answers that we need. And so when you pray and you confess and you talk to God, listen to him by reading his word. 
It's easy to talk, but it's hard to listen. And I think that's what we're seeing in our spiritual lives, is that we're failing to get into his word and to truly listen to him. And so that's the first part. We not only talk, but we also listen to God. And the second part is that we lay our desires at his feet. We lay our wants, our wishes, our requests at his feet with the confession of our sins. And so this is what I see most often in, uh, in, in the world that I live in, is that we treat prayer like a vending machine. And so when you need something, you go over, vending machine of prayer, and, and you, you pick according to your preferences, you click the button, comes out exactly when you want it, the exact thing you want it, you pop it open, and you're good. If that's your idea of prayer, you're missing the point. Prayer is not merely asking for things. Prayer is laying your requests before God, laying your wants, your desires, your entire will before him, and not saying, hey, do it, or I don't believe in you. Saying, even if you answer no, I know that your will will be done. And here I am not saying, do it, or I don't believe in you, but here I am laying it before you and saying, your will be done in me and through me and in my church and through my church, in my family and through my family. But we have an opportunity, prayer is an opportunity to lay your requests before God and humbly submit to him, to his will, with the confession of our sins. And then the final part, so the first is is we not only talk to God, but we listen. The second is we have an opportunity to lay our requests before him at his feet. And the final thing is that we are humbly conformed to Jesus. The purpose of prayer is to be changed. So often we come to prayer like we are trying to change God's mind, entice him to do something, and that's never the truth. The truth is that that prayer is made for us to be changed. That when we come before God, we're not informing him of something he doesn't know. We're changing ourselves, saying, God, I know I'm selfish and I know I really want this, but even if you don't give this to me, I will follow you. Even in the dark pit of suffering, I will follow you because I know that your will is better than mine. I know what I want is better. I I know what you want is better than what I want. That prayer is an opportunity to talk to God and to listen That prayer is an opportunity for us to lay our requests at his feet and submit to his will and confess your sins. And finally, prayer is all about being conformed to the image of God. Being changed, not changing him, but being changed. But now that we're on the same page, so so now that we understand what prayer is, now we can look at and we can all, and even though you do want to add things to that, maybe you want to change a little bit of that. I told you it's not perfect. I'm not going to unlock your prayer life, but I want to provide a foundation so that we can look at and we can build a guide off of that foundation. So if you would turn to Jesus's words in Matthew 6. And so he's posed the question we, by his disciples, we know this is the count in Luke and, 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 and the disciples say, we see you go to the desert and pray. We see you go away from us and pray. What are you doing? How can I do that? So this is Jesus responding, how do I pray like you? And so, so the question is posed by the disciples and in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, this is the Sermon on the Mount. We catch it about right in the middle. And these are the words right before the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is probably memorized by most in this room. But here are the words that come right before. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So this, is, this should catch you a little off guard. Because Jesus is just faced with the question, how do, I, how do we pray? Teach us how to pray like you would. And so the guide to prayer that he gives us is, is this. Here's exactly what you don't do. These are his first words. So before he gives us any wisdom on how, what to do when we pray, he tells us exactly what not to do. Don't be either of these guys. Don't be the Pharisee. Don't be the Gentile. Pharisee, the hypocrite. Don't be the Gentile. Fit, and then he gives us his pattern, which fits in the middle. He says, follow this pattern. Let this inform your prayers. Let this direct your hearts as you do pray. But he gives us a guide. So, so we, I, I, never, I didn't say this at the beginning. Amber and I are expecting our, our first uh, baby girl, and she will be here March 28th. Got it right? Nailed it. And uh, so, so I'm expecting so March. Um, so probably here in about two and a half Two and a half years or so, she'll come up to me with like these eager eyes and say, daddy, daddy, teach me how to, how to throw a football. Like, right? And so I fully expect this is going to happen. And don't crush my dreams. And so she'll come up, come up to me and I'll have the football and I'll be like, Quinn, I'll, I'll show you exactly what to do. But here's exactly what you don't do. Don't throw it behind you. Don't throw it at the ground. Don't kick it. Don't shut your eyes. Like, this is weird. This is not a natural thing we do. And someone comes and asks, how do you, you don't say, here's exactly what you don't do. And so like your kid starts driving, you don't go, okay, so I'm going to show you exactly what not to do. I'm going to run into this person, okay? <laughs> don't do this, okay? That's, that's not a natural thing, but I think it's beautiful that, that, that the Lord provides us with these words, and it gives us so much of a better framework of learning what not to do and giving us a pattern that we have this freedom. So according to my personality and your personality and my emotions and your emotions and your knowledge and my knowledge, we can all fit in the same pattern with freedom to pray how we feel the Spirit is leading us. And so this is a guide to prayer of what not to do. So the first, and so it's back in verse 5. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. So that's more than likely Jesus referring to the Pharisees, which is common. They use the word hypocrites. And he says, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. So this is the first guide, right? So this is the, the guide on, on how not to pray. And so Jesus says this, that the Pharisees are over here and they're just, they're just, they're just praying it up. But their, their heart gets pumping when a crowd forms. They get excited and they, they pray more when a crowd is there. Or worse is that they are praying to the crowd. That they're not praying to God. They see the crowd and they're saying, look at how spiritual I am. I am praying to God. I am a follower of him, you know? And then they're looking at him and going, wow, look at how great he is. And what does Jesus say? He says this in verse 6. Or in verse 5 at the end, he says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. What's their reward? It's a temporary, insignificant amount of fame where people are looking at the Pharisees going, Oh, wow, look at how great he is. That eye service is their reward. The reward of them thinking that they are spiritual. That's what they get. Now, that's not the reward that we want when we pray. We're not praying to an audience. We're not praying for an audience. 
We're not praying in the hopes that people see us as spiritual. That's not the reward that we're seeking. The reward that we're seeking is that we're praying to a God who, who hears us, an eternal significance of a relationship with him, communing with him, being with him. That is the reward that we're seeking, and he continues on. And he's using comparative language here, and he says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So he's saying, don't be these guys over here because they're, they're just praying for the crowd. Actually, all the way over here on the other side of the pendulum, be like this. Like go into a closet, shut the door, be alone, as alone as you can be. Make sure no one can hear you and pray to God. But we, we don't interpret this literally because it's very evident that it's comparative language here. Jesus is not saying the only time you can pray is when you're in a closet shut. And so we got to all go build like, like prayer closets. So if someone wants to make some business real fast, you're about to get a ton of business. So we're all building these prayer closets. That's the only place you can pray. Well, in reality, there's many different scriptures and passages in the Bible that, t- that tell us that we are not to forsake the assembly of the believers. We're not to forsake praying before each other. We're not, we're, we cannot avoid praying for each other and with each other. So how are these two reconciled? It's that Jesus is not saying, it doesn't matter where you are, it's saying you're praying to God. Here the Pharisees over here are praying to a crowd. They're praying for a temporary reward. Whether you're in your closet or whether you're in front of a group of a thousand people and you're praying, you're praying with the Lord in your eyes. You're praying to God. You're praying to the God who has promised to hear you. That is our reward, that we have the ear of God. We have the ear of God. And so the first guide is the Pharisees, and don't be like them. Don't be like the Pharisees who pray to a crowd or for a crowd. The second guide is given through the Gentiles. And so this builds our guide, the guide to prayer that Jesus provides. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. So here's the, the Gentiles are over here with the Pharisees doing it all wrong, Jesus says. And Gentiles are over here, and they're praying, but they're praying specific words. They're praying using a specific formula because they believe they are heard by God because of their words. They're heard by God because of their elaborate words or their repetitive words or, their, or any of those things that they, that they are heard. The reason why they are heard is because the words that they say. But Jesus rebukes them and says that is not true. You don't pray using a formula. You don't pray using some ridiculous formula because it's not about the words that you say. You are not heard because of the words. You're heard because of the relationship that you are in. The Father doesn't look and hear and go, wow, look at how beautiful your words are. I'll answer that one. You fit the formula. You got it this time. The father looks at us and sees the son's blood covering us. He says, because you walk in a relationship with him, I will listen. Words that fall are words that are without a relationship. Words that are filled with our relationship with Jesus Christ are the only words that are heard by the father. We have to understand, we have to understand that when we pray, we are not praying focused on our words or focused on fitting in a specific formula. 
So let's bring it back into our terms. And so I see this pretty often. Uh, and this might be you, so this might, this might hit you a little wrong, but your prayer, uh, this might be you, and Jesus might be speaking of you right now like a Gentile, in that when you pray, your whole vocabulary shifts the King James Version. And it says this. So will you pray for us? Yes. Father, would thou grant our most high desires, and let my cry come unto thee. Incline thine ear unto us, for thy mercy is my remembrance. We hear those people and we go, oh, uh, don't, I have no idea what they just said, but I don't want to pray next. Like, I'm out. Because I, 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 don't, I don't pray like that. I don't pray focused on my words. But these people are changing their vocabularies. They're fitting a formula that fits perfectly, and they're saying, I'll get, I'll get what I want from God because of the words that I say. I am heard because of the words that I say. It's all about the relationship that you have. But see, words have meaning, so I have to, I have to counteract where, where your head is going right now because often we hear the phrase of, hey, just talk to God. Just talk. Talk like he's your best friend. Well, I talk to my best friends like, hey, bro, what's up? For me, that's like, I'm not going to do that to God. Because God, if we understand we have a proper idea of who God is, we are going to be struck with the fear of the Lord. We're going to understand how powerful and magnificent he is. We're not going to come to him in this ridiculous sense of slang words. We're going to come to him and saying, forgive me for what I've done. I am a sinner, and I desperately need more of your son. Give me strength to live this life that you have for me because I can't do it by myself. That's praying from your relationship. We don't have to change our whole vocab when we pray. We don't have to turn into a King James Bible. We can, we can use the language that we use every day to address the God who hears us. See, our motivation to pray is everything. So just like the Pharisees at the beginning prayed to, for the appeal of the, of the crowd, they, they prayed to be heard. And, and, and so we have to understand what our motivation to prayer is. Our motivation should never to be heard by a crowd or to be fit a certain formula to get the answer that we want. The reason, the mot- our motivation for prayer has to always be that we are given a voice before God. We are given a voice before the God, the God who created you, who has given you life, who has breathed life into you, hears you. And the King Jesus, his son, the son of God who dwelled on the earth in flesh, showed us what it meant to be humble and gave his life for us as our savior has promise to intercede for us. And if that's not enough to get your heart racing, then the Holy Spirit lives inside of you who has promised to intercede for you. So you should be asking yourself the question, where am I in this guide? Do I pray more when I'm around a crowd? When I'm in public, I'm like, oh, I got to pray. Let's pray for this meal. But when you're alone, there's no chance. Or when you pray, are you like completely switching your vocab, going, oh, God doesn't want to hear that. God knows everything. It even says, it says at the very end, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. You're not informing him of anything new. You're asking for him to change you. you. You are asking and you're trying to seek him. You're not informing him about something. And so Jesus, when he's faced with the question, how do I pray? 
He says this, don't be the Pharisee, the hypocrite who prays to the crowd, who prays when they're surrounded by a crowd. And don't be the Gentile who think that they are heard based on their words. When is that ever true of Christianity? It's all about our relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he moves on and he gives us incredible wisdom. And here's the pattern. When you pray, pray then like this. And the Lord's Prayer is there in the middle to inform our prayers, to direct our hearts. And maybe when we're so selfish and sin-centered that we just recite the Lord's Prayer because that is more appropriate than what's in our hearts at that moment. That even words that are on a page or words that we quote from Scripture are just as appropriate, can just be as much heartfelt as the words that we say spontaneously. And so here's my challenge for you. This is your guide to prayer or guide on how not to pray. And so you got a bracelet when you walked in. So everybody, if you haven't snapped it on your wrist, snap it on there. Grab it, pull it out, make sure you look at the name. That bracelet resembles a student who's going to disciple now. It resembles a student if it says the grade. So if it says sixth grade, that is a sixth grade student who's attending disciple now. If it has an L, that is one of my small group leaders or adult leaders. If it has band beside it, that means they're one of the band, many band members that are gonna be leading by example from the stage, the students in worship. And here's my challenge for you. My challenge is that you would snap that bracelet on your wrist And every time, and I I mean this, every time you are reminded of that student leader or band member that you lift them up in prayer, that you are covering them in prayer, that you are asking that the Spirit would work in their hearts and minds even before they get to disciple now to prepare them to hear what they have for them to hear the gospel in a new sense, maybe to be so confronted with grace that they accept Jesus for the first time. And they've come into a believing relationship with him. Let the Spirit guide you as you pray for that student. I mean, even when you're driving, keep your eyes open, but pray for that student when you see it on your wrist. It's important that you keep your eyes open, okay? Let's remember that. But keep your eyes open and pray for that student. That student, that leader, that band member. So I'm going to give you a kickstart here. So, so right now, the band is going to come up, and they're going to get ready to, to finish out our, our, our time together But here is what I want to do. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray in a general sense, but then I'm going to stop and lead you through a guided prayer for these students, leaders, or band members. So make sure you remember that student or band member or leader name, and let's pray. Father, thank you for your son's words to us and and our understanding of what prayer is and what prayer isn't, God, that that we can fit into this, that you've given us personalities, you've given us emotions to express them in prayer to you, and that you have promised to hear us, 1 John 5, and that, that we are promised to have your ear and that we long to talk to you. God, I pray that you'd created a renewed desire in our hearts to be in prayer because we now understand the reason why we do it. We now understand that it's not about merely for asking for things, but it is about laying our requests at your feet and being changed by you. And so right now, lift up your student or leader or band member in prayer. By name, lift them up. Pray that, their, that the Spirit would guide them in a new understanding of who God is and, the, and his love for them. Pray that, that somehow we would, that, that God would use this weekend to create 
and spiritually form these students and these leaders. Most importantly, that Jesus' fame, that his glory would be magnified through the weekend and through these lives. Father, we thank you for the responsibility that you have given us to lead these students, to lead these leaders. God, I pray that we would be diligent in this challenge, that we would be lifting these students up, lifting these leaders up, because we know that it's not about the event. None of that matters unless you choose to work through it, unless you choose to work in these students' lives, in these leaders' lives. And use this band. God, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ and by your spirit. Amen.